Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. This week, I uh, posted on Facebook a little question, and I asked people to give me their definition of God's love. I got a ton of responses, really great ones, thanks to all of you who responded. Got a great variety of answers. All were good except for just a couple that said something to the effect of, we don't deserve God's love and we have to do something to get it. Well, that doesn't resonate with my understanding of God's love. What is God's love? And what do you think is love's goal? There are human words that we use to describe love, but God's not after eloquent descriptions. He's not giving us a test that he's going to grade us on. God is all about relational experience. The essence of the Trinity is so important. They have always existed in relationship, the three in one, three separate beings, but with one essence, always living in union and oneness. That should give us a clue about what love's goal is. Now, I can't adequately put words to it or describe the love I had for my parents or the love I have for my wife and my three kids and my six grandkids, but we experience it. Let's look at some of the scripture writers' understanding of God's love, and then we'll finish with my understanding, for what it's worth, of the goal of God's love. First John 4, 7, the apostle John, who was called the love apostle, who knew Jesus better than any other person here on the face of the earth, was his closest friend, wrote this, God is love. Not God has love, not God loves, but God is love. My friend Malcolm Smith says, if I have water, I can run out of water. But if I am water, I never run out. And he talks about it's like a fish living in the depths of the ocean. If that fish turns left or right or goes up or down, it's always surrounded and immersed in God's love. And that's true for us. Everything God thinks and says and does is agape, the Greek word that meant pure, unconditional, inclusive, self-giving, one-way love. That Greek word was in existence before Jesus came, but it was hardly ever used by the Greek writers because it meant a supernatural kind of love, and they didn't yet really know what that was. But the New Testament writers started using it a lot to describe God, and they did that after they experienced Jesus, Papa, and the Holy Spirit intimately, and they experienced that supernatural love. Now, to believe that God is love, and to also believe that God is anything else, anything contradictory like wrath, 
anger, that God's punitive or list-keeping or impossible to please, that God's condemning, that God's going to torture you. That's to believe that God is bipolar. That's not true, see? God is love, period. To believe God that's anything contradictory to pure, perfect love is actually sin. Harmartia, the Greek word which means missing the mark, falling short of the target, and falling short of believing the truth about God, ourselves, and all other people. And that mindset, that incorrect mindset, false perspective, is the root cause of any and all of mankind's acting out, actions that are out of tune, or diseased, or contrary to perfect love. Remember, God is love. That's God's essence. That's God's being. Now, I call God the Father Papa. That's what Jesus called him in his language in Aramaic. Call him Abba, which means Papa. And that just works for me. God's not particular about what you uh, call him, I don't think. But Papa showed me yesterday that it's like love is his last name. Now, I'm not saying love is his last name, but that's what it's like. Papa love. Jesus love, spirit love. Now, let's take a look at that love in action, oneness in action. Earlier this week, I interviewed a wonderful guy, a young guy by the name of Michael McElia, who lives back east. That interview will air in August. But we talked about some different things, and I'm going to kind of summarize one of the things that he talked about so eloquently. He started with John chapter 1, verse 3, where John said, Through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. That's the NIV. New American Standard says all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And he looked at a couple of words here, was made from one translation or came into being from the other. Then the second word is without him or apart from him. And he made the observation that those two translations sound different. And he made the point that a translator's paradigm will influence the way they translate. So you see different versions of the Bibles translated different ways. Now, he did some studying, and he mentioned that when he or we read the original words in Greek, the language that the New Testament was written in along with Aramaic, he says his paradigm, and it's same with me too, sees something beautiful and inclusive and universal and mystical in those words. He tells us the Greek word for was made or came into being actually means to emerge from, to become, to transition from one point or realm into another. Genesis 3.26 says, God breathed out of himself into Adam, and Adam means humanity, the breath of life, and Adam, humanity, became a living soul. God breathed out of himself what was within him and breathed it into mankind. As Jesus is in the world, so are we, John writes in 1 John four seventeen. John 1, 4 says, in him, in Christ, was life, zoe life, a very specific type of supernatural life. And that life was the light of all humanity. 
So if you put that word and those definitions and passages together, we see that Christ, who is love, Christ, the creator, took from what was in him, his essence, and breathed out of himself into humanity. What was within him emerged and transitioned from the eternal realm into the realm of time and space. And he wrapped that word in flesh and named it Adam, meaning mankind. Now get this, in Christ was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, and all mankind emerged from him. You see what that's saying? Every single human being emerged from within Christ. It's also saying that not one single human being emerged from eternity into time and space, separated or apart from Christ. There is no separation. That's a lie. It's always been a lie. The worst lie of all. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, they are in every single human being right now. Every single human being is holy and priceless and precious and full of glory and honor and dignity and eternal and is love. That's true objectively, whether a person knows it or not. But we enjoy the benefits of that when we know it. Every single person on this earth, even atheists, they're not separate from him. They emerged from him, fully joined to him for all eternity. There's never been any separation. The incarnation unveils an eternal, mystical union, a oneness with the Trinity. John, the apostle of love, says in John 1 about Jesus, in him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. And it goes on to say that he was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every person, every single person. There is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Paul wrote that in Ephesians 4, 6. Love is over all and through all and in all. Christ is all and is in all. Colossians three eleven. Love is all and is in all. Ephesians 4 says, Jesus who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens so that he might fill all things. Love fills all things. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. God put all things in subjection under Jesus' feet and gave Jesus his head over all things, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We are the temple of God, 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Love lives in us, Acts 17, 28. In love, we live and move and have our being. We live immersed inside of a Christ-saturated existence, a love-saturated existence. That's objectively true. Now, the Holy Spirit of love, Holy Spirit love, is revealing that to more and more people every day all over the world. It's a great, exciting time to live in. We live inside of love's embrace. We live inside of the divine embrace, like fish in an ocean. We're swimming inside of an endless ocean and bottomless sea of love and grace and kindness and mercy. Let's look a little more at what love looks like and how Papa love demonstrates love in actions. Ephesians 1, 3 to 4. Paul says, Every spiritual blessing, everyone in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father. 
Papa Love, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who created us in Christ. This is why, Paul says, we celebrate him with all our hearts. Verse 4, he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he, Papa Love, ordained, or the Aramaic is marked us, the title of my friend Catherine Toon's book, Marked by Love. He marked us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. The Trinity focused their intention on each of us individually before they ever created anything, all because of, in, and by, and for their love. Ephesians 2 I'm going to read a few verses here from the mirror. The Apostle Paul says, Picture where God found us. We were in a death trap of an inferior lifestyle, constantly living below the blueprint measure of our lives. Other translations say we were living in sin, which is not believing who God really is, who we are, and who all others are, falling short of the glory and grace of God. Verse 2, we were all part of a common pattern, swept along under a powerful, invisible influence, a spirit energy that adopted us as sons to its dictate through unbelief. Throughout that time, every one of us were warped and corrupted in our conduct, snared in a jumble of forbidden lust, driven by the desires of the five senses, totally engaged in an expression of life ruled by mind games. It was as if a twisted passion parented a universal breed of people, Ephesians 2.4. None of this could distract from the extravagant love of God. Papa love, Jesus love, the Holy Spirit love, continued to love us with the exact same intensity. Where God's focus is, his love flows. And God's focus is continually on us. And that focus is perfect love. It's never wrath, never angry. It's always white hot, all-encompassing, all-powerful, perfect love. Now, verse 7 from Ephesians 2.10. In a single triumphant act of righteousness, God saved us from the guttermost to the uttermost. Here we are now. This is you and me right now. And everybody, here we are now revealed in Christ in the highest possible position of bliss. If man's sad history could not distract from the extravagant love of God, imagine how God is now able for timeless perpetuity, the eternal future, to exhibit the trophy the trophy, us, of the wealth of his grace demonstrated in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Grace exhibits excessive evidence of the success of the cross. Man, what wonderful words. Remember, God is love. So anytime you see love translated from agape in scripture, you can say God instead. You can say Papa love. And I encourage you to do that because most Christians don't have a problem seeing Jesus as love, but they don't see God the Father that way. They sort of feel like Jesus is protecting us from this dark version of God who's really out to get us. But that's not true. Jesus is the exact representation of God. They are one and the same. 
Now, in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, every time it says love there, it's translated from the original Greek word agape. Again, that's only used in the New Testament and in other writings after that as God's supernatural love. God is love, so it's consistent with Scripture to say God or Jesus instead of love in this chapter. So whenever we consider anything about God, we want to start with the filter that he is love, and everything he is and says and does flows from his unconditional agape love. It's like love is his last name. And since so many people have a hard time seeing the Father that way, I've taken several different versions, several different translations of 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, combined them into one statement here. And anytime it says love, I say Papa love instead. So listen to this. Papa love, this is God the Father that you may not have thought was this way. Papa love is patient and does not give up. Papa love is kind. Papa love is not jealous and does not envy and thinks no evil. Papa love does not brag or boast and is not arrogant or proud. Papa love does not act unbecomingly or dishonor others. Papa love does not seek his own, is not self-seeking. Papa love does not exist on its own rights or its own way. Papa love is not provoked and is not irritable and puts up with anything. Papa love does not take into account a wrong suffered and keeps no record of wrong. Papa love does not rejoice when people get caught doing something wrong. Papa love rejoices with the truth. Papa love bears all things and always protects. Papa love believes the truth about all things, always trusts and is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Papa love hopes all things. Papa love endures all things and always perseveres. Papa love never fails and never comes to an end. Paul wrote that, and he also wrote this to the church in Galatia, in Galatians 5, 6. The only thing that counts, or the only thing that is important, is faith expressed as love. And we know there is only one faith, the faith of Christ. The only thing that counts or is important is Jesus' faith expressed as love. Now, here's the goal of love, in my understanding, and this is so important. The goal of love, Papa love, Jesus love, Holy Spirit love, is union, oneness, oneness in action, living as one. What the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit did before creation, they always existed, they always lived in oneness and union in perfect love. Now, remember Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty seven that from Adam and Eve on until Jesus came to the earth, not a single person knew Papa or him, knew some things about them, most of the things that they thought were not true. They'd just gotten little glimpses and pieces of it like a shadow. No one knew them. And Jesus came to seek and save and restore that which was lost, not those who were lost, that which was lost, our intimate knowing, God the Father and the Holy Spirit. In John seventeen three, Jesus says, this is the life of the ages, or some translations say, this is eternal life. It is that you know Papa and Jesus. Now, the Greek word for know there is intimate knowing as a man knows a woman. When two people love each other, the goal of love is union oneness, the two shall become one. 
See, when we intimately know perfect love, personally, experientially, intimately, not intellectual head knowledge, not that we can write a paper about doctrines and creeds or whatever, but when we personally, intimately know perfect love, we start to know who God is, who we are, and who all people are. Look at what John wrote in 1 John 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God, children of Papa Love, sharing the same DNA and the same last name. Now, the word behold there means focused intention. Intentionally set your eyes on something. So he's, he's saying, behold. He says, focus your intention here. Get this. Look at this. The Amplified says, see what an incredible quality of love the Father, Papa Love, has shown to us that we would be named and called and counted the children of God. Our last name is Love. We have the same last name and the same DNA as God. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. The love of God is a dimension where we live and move and have our being. It's the energy field of God. It's perpetual love in motion. Where God's focus goes, his agape love flows. David wrote in Psalm 139 that Papa Love thinks about, focuses intention on you personally, specifically, more times every day than there are stars in the sky and pebbles of sand on all the beaches in the world. And his thoughts are always perfect love. God never has any bad thoughts about you, no angry thoughts, no wrathful thoughts, no disdain, no thoughts of disgust or condemning. Never. Living in oneness with perfect love, again, is like a fish living deep in the ocean. That fish can go left or right or up or down, but they're always there. It's like gravity. It's always there. And it's always perfectly good. Now that we know this perfect love, we can go into all the world and tell everyone the good news that thanks to Jesus' love and Papa love and Holy Spirit love, each person has already been fully immersed and included in the divine circle dance of love, and they've been plunged right in the middle of the heart of the Trinity of God, love, and nothing can ever separate them from love. Your last name is the same as your papa's. Your spiritual last name is love. That's good news. That's truth that we can handle. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.